Here at Lady Farmer, we talk about so many different aspects of slow and sustainable living, a subject matter that can at times feel confusing, overwhelming, even misleading. And that's why a few years ago, we set out to write a book that might be a guide for those seeking a life of beauty, simplicity, and sustainability. We're thrilled to be able to offer you our own small guide for cultivating slow living, sustainable simplicity close to home available in our online marketplace. In the book, we've woven an easy-to-digest narrative of stories, recipes, tips, resources, ideas, and reflection. This collection of essays and resources will guide you to think about your own relationship to the planet, what you eat, what you wear, and how you live a sustainable lifestyle. It also contains a 21-day slow-living challenge of daily thought exercises to lead you in the process. For you Good Dirt listeners, we are offering free shipping of this wonderful little book with the code THEGOODDIRT in our online marketplace. So use the code THEGOODDIRT, T-H-E-G-O-O-D-D-I-R-T at checkout when you go to purchase your copy of The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living in our online marketplace for free shipping. That's The Good Dirt at The Lady Farmer online marketplace for free shipping on The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. I think the message that I love sharing with people, whether it's with skincare or with healing or living with a chronic disease or anything in your life, nature is enough. I think we just need to reconnect to her in all ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's our way home. You're listening to The Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now, the farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Hello, everyone. We're so glad that you are here for another episode of the Good Dirt Podcast. We are now at the end of week number three of the Slow Living Challenge, which is a four-week program that we've been doing every year for the past few years. And there are four weeks total, so we're almost to the end, but it's not too late to sign up if you want to know what's been going on. As soon as you sign up on our website, you can access all of the past week's prompts, and then you will receive next week's prompt in your inbox on Monday. So thank you so much to everyone who has been participating, and we just can't wait to see how this challenge ends up. And as promised, we've collected some comments and stories shared by community members participating in the challenge. And don't forget that if you sign up now, you'll still get your one-week free trial inside the Almanac, where you can join in the discussion threads, 
and you can get to look around and see everything we've got going on in there so that hopefully you'll want to stick around even after the challenge and join in the fun. So do you want to share some of the great responses that we've had so far from the Slow Living Challenge participants? Yes. So we've had some more responses to the challenge of identifying a daily slow living practice. Carol, who's one of our community members, gives us this lovely description of how she starts her day. This is her quote. I love to watch the light and color of the sunrise behind the bare trees. Years ago, I learned that cathedral architecture resembles in some ways a grove of trees. On winter mornings, the brilliant colors of the sunrise remind me of the stained glass of the cathedral. The quiet and stillness of early morning also give me a strong sense of sanctuary. I know that I am more grounded with a greater sense of serenity when I can start my day recognizing and appreciating the beauty of the dawn. Yes, it's so beautiful, so beautifully written. Thank you so much for yes. for sharing that with us, Carol. And so funny, she also gave us her reaction to the prompt to get outside barefoot and to make contact with the earth for a minute or two if it's not too cold where you are. And she says, I'll walk across the frosty deck barefoot rather than get my socks wet. I figure if the birds can do it, so can I. So true, Carol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that inspiring perspective perspective. Yes, definitely. And we also have another lovely response from a community member to the prompt of making an ordinary activity into a sacred experience. Uh, The activity that she chose was to prepare an everyday dinner meal with intention. She says, the intention includes being present by thinking about where the food comes from, thanking the creatures who gave their lives if it's applicable, the farmers, my garden, the gifts of sun and rain. It includes thinking about the people for whom I am cooking, being grateful that I can provide food, which is both nutritious and delicious. Thank you so much. And thank you to these wonderful souls that are taking this slow living journey with us and helping to create a space for everyone to embrace what it means to slow down and create more peace and simplicity in our everyday lives, moment by moment. That's what this is all about. And today's guest gives us another look at what it means to live intentionally, moment by moment, especially for someone faced with the challenge of a chronic illness and creating and maintaining a successful and soulful business. Yes, today we are talking to Jessie Golden, who is just such a joy to speak to. She's such a beam of light. She was so inspiring. She is a mother. She used to work as a model. She's a Hatha yoga teacher, a holistic health practitioner, an author, and she has created The Golden Secrets, named after her own golden secrets as she used to tell her friends she tells in the interview her name's jesse golden and so she would have these golden secrets for skincare and health that she would tell her friends so she has used her multifaceted career as her own platform to inspire and empower people all over the world after putting the debilitating disease rheumatoid arthritis into remission through natural methods jesse has established herself as a face of hope in the health and fitness industry She continues to thrive despite her diagnosis. Jessie started The Golden Secrets, a line of skincare products created with the highest standards for sourcing of ingredients, consumer health, and sustainability to share the products, tools, and tips that she's acquired from her journey back to health and through her life experiences. Jessie believes that every challenge we encounter is an opportunity for us to create more light in our lives for ourselves and for the world. Yes, and speaking with Jesse really was just having a little bit more light. It was so full of life 
and inspiring, like we've said. And I really learned a lot from this conversation. And I'm so glad to be sharing it today. She's such an inspiration to us in terms of her commitment to integrity and sustainability in her business and in the quality of her product. And she offers such encouragement to the many people out there struggling with the daily challenge of a chronic illness. We found her to be such a lovely, genuine person, and it was such a pleasure to talk to her. So we'll let her take over now with her story. Here is Jessie Golden of The Golden Secrets. So I was in the modeling industry most of my life. That's how I made a living. So I was kind of familiar with that side of things, even though I always tell people I had a love-hate relationship with the industry. I hated the industry and I loved the financial freedom it allowed me and the time that it allowed me to be with my son. But when I was 29, after I had my son, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. It was a shock. I had considered myself completely bulletproof and healthy and never had any issues. And that kind of really knocked me on my tush and took me for a whirlwind. So I went through a major healing crisis. And because I was in, people kind of knew who I was from modeling. I started sharing my story because I was pretty public about my experience. And I had gotten really, really sick to the point where I didn't walk for a year. Oh, Yeah, I was really, really, really sick. And I had come from a ballet background too. So I was a ballerina. And so it was pretty heartbreaking. But right when I I had my first, I like to say I'm thriving with rheumatoid arthritis, but right when I had my first kind of remission recovery was right when the yoga companies started to come to birth. And I was really grateful because I was in the industry and I was a certified yoga teacher. So I got to be the face of a lot of new brands coming out and they allowed me the space to start sharing my story mostly because it sold yoga pants, but (laughs) I was really grateful and honored to be able to share. This was, you know, 15 years ago before Instagram, before we had as many resources we do, autoimmune disease was not talked about. Rheumatoid arthritis was associated with elderly people. I was certainly not the face of what people thought rheumatoid arthritis was. So I basically started getting a ton of emails and MySpace messages at the time. Uh. (laughs) I don't even know, Emma, if you know what MySpace is. (laughs) I actually do. I did have a MySpace page and I miss the days of having like, I don't know if you remember this, but you could have like a song playing when someone visited your MySpace. Oh my gosh, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was like one of the things you could do and I I just think that's really cool like being able to put up your own soundtrack that other people had to hear when they were (laughs) I remember vaguely hearing something about something called MySpace that's how that's how out of it I am Well, you're into it now. You're into you're on the podcast. So basically, I was getting a lot of messages because I was sharing my story publicly of people wanting to know how I was healing myself or how I was able to thrive despite what I was going through. And I felt this calling. I felt responsible. Like I had to start sharing what I was doing. And it would keep me up at night that I couldn't physically respond to everybody's emails. I was still working. I was taking care of my son. And so I started a blog called The Golden Secrets, where I just started sharing some of the most common questions that people were asking. A lot of it had to do with rheumatoid arthritis and yoga and spirituality and just kind of self-help stuff. And it was really just a passion project, but I just felt 
called to share the tools that were working for me that I don't feel like were being shared at the time. And then eventually it started to kind of fall into the whole beauty world. What are you using on your skin? And I had been using my own skincare, making my own skincare since high school. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. And everybody would always ask me what I was using or what scent I was wearing. It was kind of like an inside joke where it's Jesse's golden secret type of thing. And, And then I kind of had this epiphany one day where I was just sharing all this information and writing all these articles for free. And a friend of mine who I really admire uh, said, why don't you bottle some of that stuff that everybody's always asking you? Because every time we would go out, he would hear people ask me these same questions. Like, what's your golden secret? They literally gave me the name. (laughs) And it's it's interesting because at first I felt very like, I don't want to share this. This is my sacred stuff. I felt very protective over it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, you know, for the last several years, my entire life, I feel like my calling has been to share things that work for me. And these products are things that I use every single day. And not only do they work, but I use them as a tool to kind of tune in with myself and check in with myself. So I packaged my first product and then it took me quite some years to really decide that this is what I was going to do. In about 2019, I was like, I guess this isn't just like an Etsy hobby. Like this is a real company. So since 2019, I've completely, my full-time job is being the owner of the Golden Secret skincare line, which I had no plan on doing. You know, the universe just kind of directed me into this area and, and here I am now. Wow. So that was actually a really long time from back in the yes. blog, MySpace to now. That's that's amazing. That's really cool. I think this is going to be kind of a little series. You're probably the third person that we've interviewed that got into making their own skincare and got into the whole counter beauty industry thing. And it's so interesting how, you know, most people come to it. They don't think, okay, I'm going to make beauty products. They sort of like grow into it through some circumstance in their life. It's so interesting. So I know you you actually make these things. You put them together. You get all the ingredients and formulate them, right? I mean, probably at this point, not all of them, but at some point you were doing that. So I just moved into manufacturing, like November oh. 1st was official. So I've made over 25, well, 30,000 bottles handcrafted. <laughs> like in your kitchen or did you oh have a gosh. space or something? I had, or? I, eventually I got a studio and I had help, but for a long time, it was just out of my kitchen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So now it's, you know, it's, we're definitely up leveled. I have a chemist that, you know. <laughs> helps me. And you know, the hardest part though, which was interesting is I already had a cult following with my blends before I even went into manufacturing. So it took me two years to make sure that they could formulate the products exactly as they were, whether it was sourcing and just the exact, the way that a chemist does stuff is definitely different than the way I do things. So just getting the measuring right and Mm -hmm. everything. So it was a really challenging process because I think had I not had any products and I just went to a chemist and said, here, I have these ideas. It probably would have been a smoother transition and it would have been really quick, but it took me two years because I was just, I'm not changing anything. (laughs) I only source from these places and it has to be exactly right. Cause at this point, you know, I have people that they notice the slightest thing, you know, and sometimes I have yeah. to remind them these are nature's mm-hmm. products. So a lot of my products, I tell people it's almost like winemaking. Like even if it's the same ingredients, 
every harvest can be slightly different. So there might be a change in color or a slight change, even though the formula is exactly mm-hmm. the same. So that I feel like that's the beauty of natural products too, because I think your skin better assimilates to that season. And because I am still such a small company, like we still do small batch. So it really ensures that you're getting like the quality and the freshest products. So I want to go back to when you first started making your own skincare, like how did you get into that and how did you get your information and what was that like, like in the very early days, kind of experimenting and formulating your own stuff? I was always fascinated with essential oils. I was introduced to essential oils when I was 14 by a cousin of mine who she's kind of very witchy. she kind of Mm -hmm. she kind of put me onto this whole like green witch type of thing where we would look up Mm -hmm. I got very fascinated with ancient spells and remedies and you know folklore and different oils that were used in ancient times you know dated back to Cleopatra and when you look into all of this stuff it just makes so much sense so Mm -hmm. I started gathering all these different products and noticing how I would feel wearing certain products wearing certain ingredients but not only that noticing how people around me would feel and you can do it with the most simplest I mean now essential oils are everybody knows about them but it's like when you wear lavender how does it make you feel or when you wear rose oil How does that make you feel? And then how do people respond to you differently and how you can kind of shift, you know, your mood with lemon oil, it can help Mm -hmm. make you feel more alert or energized. And I was just fascinated that you could do this. And so I started making my own blends based on ancient folklore, almost like witchcraft. Yeah. Very cool. I love this. (laughs) So just a lot of like spells, like my signature blend is based on an ancient folklore to entice romance. And that's been my signature blend, you know, (laughs) since I was like 15. And we kind of have a joke, like with my friends that we need an antidote because it really does work. (laughs) 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 So yeah. And it's like the same one still since you were 15? Same exact one. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. At 15. Can you imagine being a 15 year old and, and coming up with a potion? Uh, a she real, can. She did it. A real love potion. That's what I'm trying to think. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's every 15 year old's dream. Yeah. And you did it. I just love this. I love the story behind it. And I love the personal touch here is just really wonderful. So you're a teenager and you're mixing up all these things, you and your cousin, and you're being the green witch, so to speak. <laughs> And then is this something you carried through all the way until modeling? Were you doing this while you were modeling? And what's the trajectory there of the skin thing? That's a great question because I did carry it on. And at the time I was an outsider. I felt like I was kind of doing things backwards or different than everybody especially being in modeling industry, I would go to auditions or I would go to other jobs and all the girls had biggest designers, skincare and perfume and like whatever was sold at the department stores, you know, they were wearing like, you know, what was being, and I always had this aversion to like anything that had like, I would get a headache or, you know, anything that had like toxins Mm -hmm. in it. So I was just never drawn to it. And when I was modeling, I didn't have an option of what was being put on my skin. And I loathed sitting in the makeup chair because they would just put like Mm. the worst stuff on you. So by the time I would get home, it was just like, oh, 
I could just like put my natural oils on. And when I wasn't working, Mm -hmm. I never wore makeup. I literally just wore my natural oils on my skin, which at the time I could only get from, you know, a health food store. And they didn't sell anything like this at the department stores or beauty markets or anything. So I just started making my own and doing my own research and then seeing what worked on my skin. And everybody would always say, what do you use on your skin? Your skin is so beautiful, whether it was like the tone of my skin or my face or something. I thought, this is so weird. Like, I don't really use, I use like, I thought it was like the worst stuff, (laughs) you know, back Mm -hmm. then because I wasn't using the really expensive designer things. And it took years of people saying that to me before I realized nobody else does, like people don't do this. And people that do do it, Mm -hmm. they do have beautiful skin, Mm -hmm. which was so hard for me when I decided I was going to do this. I didn't want to be like every other skincare line because I think for years I was on the other side and I know Mm -hmm. that as a model, the beauty industry has sold us the problem and the solution for years. And it's like, they give us products to dry our skin out or to make us sun sensitive. And then we get melasma or then we get acne. And it's like, we're in this vicious cycle instead of just you know, I call it slow beauty, just using natural oils that Mm. work with your skin. Less is more. We don't need 9,000 products. You can use the same product and be consistent and your skin will thrive. It's that we're using too many things. And I think we're destroying the skin barrier. And then I've seen so many people that were skin fanatics, their skin doesn't look so great now. Yeah, maybe you're doing too much. You know, I really think less is more. We've talked about this before on here, how the beauty industry has just manipulated us so much, particularly Mm -hmm. women, by telling us that we're not okay and our skin's not okay. And we need to buy all these things to be well and to look good. And so it's a self-perpetuating thing. And when you discover that, guess what? You know, your body and your skin really knows how to take care of itself and is naturally beautiful. And you just learn to work with that. It's a whole different picture. And you're also buying a lot less things. I think <laughs> I love that you use the term slow beauty. Yes. It kind of fits into slow living and everything. So um, I'm wondering what you think of when you think of slow living and what that means to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think less is more comes to mind. And I think just connecting mm-hmm. to nature in all ways throughout your day, whether it's physically being in nature, eating nature, putting nature on your body, mm-hmm. you know, obviously slowing down and just like appreciating the moment. And, you know, that's what was so important when I decided I was going to do this skincare line. It's like, yes, I have these amazing products that I think are going to be beneficial to you. But I also wanted the product to be the tool to take the time to tune in with yourself. And then perhaps also all my products come with positive affirmations. So can you also, you know, take the time to do a little self-love ritual? Because as women, I feel like I talk for most women, When we look in the mirror, we tend to look at all the things that are wrong. And so our inner dialogue Mm -hmm. is like, oh my gosh, I have this and I have this and I have this. So what if we took that time while we're putting our favorite oil on to say, I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am glowing, I am radiant, kind of start to rewire that brain. And that really gets the glow from within. So you're doing both the internal and the external work. And, you know, everything comes back to self-love and just taking those moments for yourselves, which I think ties into slow living, you know. Completely. And something about those really 
especially the high quality, the really good essential oils, when you are even just smelling them, they're intoxicating. And it's really hard. I find when I'm using like a facial oil with a good quality essential oil, it's almost hard to not be really happy and inspired when you're just smelling it. It's like that aromatherapy works into it. So that makes, that's a really good opportunity for like that self-love affirmation that you're talking about. Sensorial experience. Yeah. Yes. Love that. Jesse. I want to ask you about your ingredients and where you get them and the stories behind some of them. And I just, there's, there's so much there to talk about, it seems. Yeah. I mean, now I get all my ingredients mostly from one wholesaler who is USDA certified, EcoCert, Fair Trade, Sustainable. I think at this day and age, there's a responsibility (laughs) for people. Like Mm -hmm. if you're developing anything at this point in time, you need to do the right thing. So I say from seed to skin, like every single choice that I make is I'm always trying and striving to make the best choice to make sure that it's natural, organic, non-toxic, fair trade, sustainable. So my ingredients come from all over the world and almost everything is organic. And if not organic, then natural or wildcrafted. And that is something to say because my My wholesaler is USDA certified. A lot of people don't realize this, but Mm -hmm. for small companies, in order to get USDA certified, it costs thousands of dollars per product. So a lot of people don't realize that. But most often what I find is like the smaller companies actually have better ingredients (laughs) than, you know, than a lot of other companies. It's just that we might not necessarily be able to afford the certifications, but we are leaving money approved. That is one certification that is That's the animal cruelty one, right? Yes. And we plant a tree for every single order. So everything is like trying to be climate positive. We also give back a percentage. We have three charities at checkout that you get to choose from. And the three charities right now are the Farmer's Footprint, which gives back to regenerative. (gasps) Oh, I know them. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorite humans on the planet. And NRDC and then the Loveland Foundation. So you get to choose at checkout where a percentage of your order goes to. And then you get an email as to where you want to plant your tree. So every step of the way, I feel like it's my responsibility to make the world a better place, you know, (laughs) every step of the way. Yeah, that's awesome. Lately, I've been feeling like I can't keep up. I want to slow back down. The disconnect between what I value and how I want to be in the world every day versus what I feel is being demanded of me has grown jarring, especially now that it seems the world has opened up entirely. The great pause is a distant memory, and instead we've been put on a strange fast-forward, and it's like high-pitched, and there's nails on chalkboard, and everything is just so inaccessibly and sometimes even comically expensive. Mass killings and war... And men in suits arguing while the ones with all the money make things impossible for everyone else. Turning most violently on our greatest ally, nature herself. Anyone else feel like this? Welcome. You're not alone here. (laughs) I'm just glad that I have this podcast to come back to. These conversations I get to have with my mom and the incredible guests we have on keep me 
grounded and remind me of the compass in my pocket, the way that I want to be in the world. All I have to do is remember to take it out and look at it. This is why we created the Almanac. The Almanac is our growing community that we host online. Don't worry, it's not one more thing you have to do or to check off or show up for. It's not affiliated with the mass social media conglomerates and we don't and can't do anything with your data. It's merely a place where we at Lady Farmer map out a blueprint of how we intend to live fully and slowly and deeply into each season. It's an almanac of plants, of ideas, of books we read together, gatherings we meet once a month, recipes, sweet community of others walking alongside us. It's a continuation of our conversations here on The Good Dirt. So many times we just dig in deeper. We all need to process a little bit more. It's a place for you to dig in and daily wonder, ask, reflect, share, and celebrate in the pain and joy of it all. I never get tired of pictures of people's tomatoes. (laughs) It's the best. How can we slow this thing down? How can we live every day so that we close this gap between what we know should be and what is? We begin summer on June 21st. We hope that you'll join us. Go to ladyfarmer.com community to learn more. And know that every membership helps the podcast continue. It's a group effort, y'all. We appreciate you. Thanks so much. You make a very good point about the USDA organic certifications. It's the same thing in food. It's even the same thing in textiles, that those certifications are very, very difficult for a lot of smaller producers to get and expensive, and they take a lot of time and someone filling out all the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And lots of times the producers that we work with, especially around here, you know, like with the local farmers, we call them beyond organic. It's even better. I love that. Because they're focused on the protecting the soil and doing the right thing by the environment without having to jump through all the hoops. So it just always boils down. And I'm sure you find this too in your thing. It all boils down to you just know who you're working with Mm -hmm. and know what they're doing. And a lot of times that unfortunately, a lot of times the certification and the label doesn't even mean that much after a while or it can be misleading. So most important thing is to like, yeah, know exactly who you're connecting to and where you're getting your stuff, which it sounds like that's what you're doing. So that's really awesome. I always tell people to look at the ingredients in complete transparency, like look at the website, Mm -hmm. read where you're buying from, because unfortunately there are a lot of people that say green beauty or natural origin Mm -hmm. or even USDA certified. And then I'll go look at the ingredients and it's loaded with parabens and horrible toxins. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) crazy but you have to search for it you know Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with ingredients so I'm always looking deeper but the natural a regular consumer sees the word natural origin and USDA certified and they're like sold but then if you look deeper it's like I always tell people like look at everything that Mm -hmm. you're putting onto and into your body because it matters and Mm -hmm. it also creates the world you want to create we can create the world we want to create 
with the companies we support and the things that we buy, even the things that we like and the podcasts we listen to. And Mm -hmm. this is how we create the world we want. Totally. Oh, that is so true. Yeah, we agree with that. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit more about you still are living with rheumatoid arthritis? Is it something that you like recover from? I don't know much about it, but can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you continue to thrive in other parts of your life? Yeah. So I always say that rheumatoid arthritis has been my greatest teacher, (laughs) most humbling experience. So for those of you that don't know, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. It's systemic. So it affects the entire body, not just your joints, but your heart, your lungs, you know, your gums, like your eyes, it could affect everything. It's different than osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis is something that you would get from like wear and tear, like in your knee or something. So it is an ever evolving healing process. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned. Anybody that gets diagnosed with a chronic disease, you have to remain adaptable and open to new ideas because the diet or the tools that worked for you yesterday might not work for you tomorrow. Mm. So you have to remain adaptable and just kind of be open. But I mean, if I had to say like a couple things like really quick that have helped me is underlying causes. Like I just discovered a year ago that my hometown, we had like a a toxic waste dump in our town and there's thousands of us that have rheumatoid arthritis and cancers and autoimmune disease. So I was able to kind of put more of like a cause as to why I possibly got this. And sorry, when did it show up for you again? When I was 29. So my son was three and a half. It's really common for it to show up after women have a child. Okay. So there could be like, I feel like, you know, people are predisposed to certain things and then your body just waits for like a weakness or a weak yeah. point for it to like come about. And it's a stressful time, you know, after a woman has a baby mm-hmm. and, and then I was a single mom. So I was in survival mode a lot and it kind of just snuck in there. But I mean, diet has always played a huge role, stress, managing my stress levels. And that includes the people that I surround myself with, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to set boundaries and self-love. You know, I always tell people like everything that I share, whether it was back in the day with my blog or now my skincare, it's things that I need to do myself. And I've learned self-love through having this disease because I realize if I don't take that time for myself every day, then it shows up in my body. I have to take care of myself and just slow down. (laughs) Yeah, you literally are like held accountable by your body. You can't wait till you're burnt out or something to pay attention. Yeah, that's really incredible. 100%. I always say people with autoimmune disease, not everyone, Mm -hmm. But a lot of people with autoimmune disease are the healthiest in the world because they have to be. I mean, you can drink, but like I choose not to, Mm -hmm. but like you're just healthier because it shows up right away, Mm -hmm. you know, keeps you in line. I was just going to say that you have to be so vigilant about yeah what you're putting in your body and how you're treating yourself and the rest that you give yourself. A lot of people just put that more of an place of unconsciousness, Mm -hmm. but you have to be just really on top of it all the time. So Are you generally able to do everything you want to do? Or do you have to take days off? I'm still learning. I'm stubborn and I'm persistent. And I have a very big drive. Like if I want to do something, I do it. But sometimes at my own expense. So I'm learning 
to rest and honor myself all the time. It's a continued lesson and challenge for me that I practice, but I I mean, I'm great. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't have anything like that stops me, you know, from being able to do anything, but I definitely know I like, I love my alone time. Yeah. You know, I have to have my recharge and my alone time and, and then I'm fine. There was an article in the New York Times this morning that I just happened to see about people that live with chronic pain or some sort of chronic condition where the medical world has really not been able to do anything besides just, you know, help them cope with symptoms or, and everything. So they they live in this sort of never land place between self-remedies, natural remedies, and the medical world. And it's also this landscape in between where nobody really knows the cause, nobody knows how to really help it or cure it and so forth. Did you see that article? article. I thought it was really interesting. I didn't see it, but I, I know a lot about pain. <laughs> yeah. with pain. And pain, I, I always say, you know, I just said rheumatoid arthritis, my greatest, greatest teacher, but pain, there's nothing like pain that brings you to the present moment. Mm. Yes. Like nothing else matters when you're in pain. And it wow. forces you to do the work. And I've had to do like a lot of mental work and yeah. yoga has definitely helped me a lot. And just like turning to gratitude and just doing all these kind of self practices and, and gathering these tools over the years, because living with a chronic disease and being in pain, like you have a choice every single day. Like I'm either going to be the victim and let this destroy me or I'm going to get through it and be a warrior. It's like, it's, you literally have that choice in every moment. And I think a lot of times people see me that I have like this happy disposition. So they assume that I'm not affected by rheumatoid arthritis and I, it couldn't be more, Mm -hmm. you know, more the opposite. It's just that I've literally worked so hard at maintaining my gratitude and my happiness and working on these tools. And I just choose to thrive despite it. And Mm. that's it. I've made that decision, you know? So you're a wonderful example for your your yoga students. Well, you're a wonderful example for everyone. But, you know, these are the kind of things you might hear in a a yoga class. (laughs) 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 But here you are the example of being in the present moment and accepting things with gratitude and embracing your hardships as your teachers. I mean, that's really, really powerful stuff. Mm. And, you know, I think people struggle their whole lives to get to that point. So here you are, a wise woman. It's not just about accepting, but accepting stuff without expecting stuff, Mm. I think is a big one too. Yeah. So just FYI that the name of the article, it was David Leonhardt wrote it. And it says, when modern medicine doesn't cure chronic pain, what comes next? Mm. So I want to go back. We were talking about the sourcing and the ingredients a little bit. Can you give like a little mini course on these ingredients that you're usually finding in these products, the phthalates? and the parabens and all those kind Mm. of things. And we always hear, you know, you always see on the, you know, things, maybe phthalate free or paraben free or whatever. And so what is it about those things that we need to avoid? I don't think a lot of people really know what that is. They see the words, but they don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, most of them are toxic (laughs) associated with like hormonal disruption. So a lot of women like experience, just to give you an example, it's not normal to have a headache all the time. Mm. That's a symptom of something Mm -hmm. you're doing or your body is off. Like that's not normal to have a headache. I think we've kind of made it seem like it's normal to have a headache. Yeah. It's not normal. It's not normal to have irregulation in your cycle. These things that we've kind of made it seem like are normal are not normal. And it can be caused from 
these kind of toxins that we're using in our skincare or detergents or in our house, people are still using like Glade and like Scenti, Mm -hmm. like these Scenti things, just like toxic. The thing is what blows my mind is there's natural preservatives that do the same exact thing. There's a great website called EWG Yes, where you can search every single ingredient And you can see the toxicity level. And we're talking about like, even if like you're young and you're like, I don't care. If you plan on having children in the future, you should care. Mm -hmm. Because a lot like retinol, for instance, is so toxic and can cause infertility issues. That's the skin thing, right? Yeah, that's like the anti- Aging wrinkle. Oh, you see that on so many bottles. Yeah, and they've made it out to be like, you have to have retinol or you'll have wrinkles. Yes. Oh, that's so bad. This is a perfect, retinol is a perfect example is the active ingredient is retinic acid, which is found in rosehip seed oil, Mm -hmm. which is one of the main ingredients in one of my best sellers. It gives you the same results without the toxic side effects, the sun sensitivity, and all these other issues. It's wow. this, it's a derivative of vitamin A. It's the same thing. So that's what always blows my mind is like, we don't need, like nature is enough. We don't mm-hmm. need to add a bunch of toxic things. Going back to the industry, I used to say this when I first started, these toxins and preservatives keep the products on the shelf longer, not mm-hmm. your skin. So You can go to EWG, like I said, and you can search these different types of preservatives and it'll rate it on a like one to five scale, I think, or Mm -hmm. maybe it's one to 10 and it'll tell you exactly what these things can possibly, the side effects that can cause everything in my ingredients is rated a one or less, which is as good as it can get. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't personally use anything that was like over a two, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, going back to it's Mm -hmm. like, if you're eating good and you're taking care of yourself, you're eating organic and you're being mindful. And then you're just like putting all these Nivea or like toxic stuff all over your skin. Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because your body absorbs all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The EWG is the environmental working group and it's, it's really a, fantastic resource for all this stuff and they it's so good yeah you can just research anything like I said if you want to look and see what's on the back of your skincare and just look at those ingredients and see what it's rated it's so great and we really remind our listeners here we've said this before but it's very much worth repeating that there's no real regulations on things that go in skincare. Yeah, there's no regulations like for example a lot of people don't realize the word fragrance yeah is a blanket term for over 150 chemical ingredients. And there's a loophole because it kind of protects people's, their secret recipe. Yeah. So they can just just say fragrance, fragrance, and just that word. So it could be natural, natural, natural. And then I see fragrance. If it doesn't say derived from natural ingredients, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I'm good. I don't want it. So, yeah, there are some regulations to me that don't really make a lot of sense. And then there's other regulations that, you know, like Europe refuses to have that we do have and and that we're using blindly all the time that we think are okay or safe for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another thing. And they're ingredients that are literally outlawed in other countries that we're still allowing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I've always thought that was so interesting. The, the government or the FDA or whatever doesn't seem to recognize that putting something on your skin is not that different from actually eating it. But it is. It's like your largest organ. It absorbs. So how many of those ingredients would they say were safe to eat? <laughs> All those mysterious things. You really have to be your own advocate. I you think, do. In this day and age. And just do your research and do what works for you. This is what we talk about with clothes and food. It's all the same thing. And the dyes that are in your clothes and the, mm-hmm. for heaven's sake, all the things in the food, you could go on and on. But you have to really get on the Google or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And look this stuff up. It's really interesting. And I think gone are the days when if you saw something in a store, you could say, well, it must be okay. Here they are selling it. Mm. I don't think so anymore. (laughs) I might have thought that some time ago, but not anymore. (laughs) It still blows my mind, though, that there's still a lot of products being used that are considered okay or safe and that like someone like me for example or I said like I'm so sensitive so I always have to be mindful if you're dealing with any kind of like yeah. hormonal issues or headaches or like just regular issues yeah. and you're using all this stuff that might be a good place to start <laughs> yeah oh, absolutely especially as women you know like you were talking about how a headache is not normal and I was trying to think back when I was younger and so many people would say that oh so and so has a migraine today or whatever and you just go, oh, okay, like like that's a normal thing. And we always would say, it must be hormones. Hmm. That seemed to be the answer to everything. Oh, and like that was a good enough answer. Like, oh, yeah. hormones. And it's it hormones. Goes. It's just like, that's it. That's the whole thing, hormones. Huh. And now come to find out all these years later that all these things it probably is hormones, but <laughs> so many of these ingredients are hormone affecting. Disrupting. Disrupting. Yeah. That's the word I was like for. They're hormone disrupting, right? And so, yeah, it was hormones, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. I was so excited to read about your packaging. <laughs> That it's really like you really pay attention to that and that you want everything to be sustainable. Talk about that a little bit and what you use. And I know this is a challenge. This is a challenge for people that ship things. We have a little shop and we ship things here and there, but we don't ship like liquids or anything like that. So nothing really breakable or anything. Yeah. So it's easier for us, but we're super, super conscious. And we try not to use any plastic at all and that sort of thing. So talk about that a little bit. That's a real accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, we just came out with the new packaging. I didn't really have packaging for years. I just put everything in these little reusable bags. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was fine when I was still handcrafting. So everything was glass. You know, everything's always been glass and opaque to protect and the efficacy of the products mm-hmm. and endlessly recyclable. But I used to just ship them in these little bags that people can reuse. Cause I thought, how can I do this? You know, mm-hmm. right off the bat, I was like, I don't want boxes. I don't want to you know, spend the money mm-hmm. and I don't want, you know, people to just throw it away. So I just had these bags. But then as I started growing, I was like, I can't be on the shelf with bags. Like I have to get packaging. Yeah. So how am I going to do this? Right away, I was like, it's got to be FSC, which is like top standard for ethically sourced paper. So that was like, right away, I was like, we have to get that paper. I don't care what it costs. (laughs) We're going to do that. So FSC is Forest Service Certified, right? Stewardship. Is that? Forest forest Stewardship. Stewardship. Okay. Yeah. Certified. Yeah. So it's ethically sourced paper, recyclable, and 
it was just so important for me to like make it beautiful in hopes that maybe people might also repurpose it Mm -hmm. and use it in another way. And, you know, even now, like my new packaging, I'm so proud of it and I'm so happy and it's so beautiful, but I'm still like, how can I minimize? Like they're coming out with the most amazing sustainable things right now. Again, so expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like they're making things out of not only, I mean, like my cloths that I have on my website are made from recycled water bottles, but they're making these new um, packaging that is like completely compostable and like mushrooms. It's it's so expensive (laughs) though. Like there's no way I could afford it, but like maybe down the road, a hundred percent, like I'm always going to be trying to do the right thing. But Mm -hmm. as far as like sustainability, where we are right now, it's the best of the best. So I'm so proud and so excited that so everything's glass, everything's FSC recyclable. And then we upcycle any products at my manufacturing facility, which is also 100% solar powered. Oh, cool. So everything is like, I got to do it right. Mm -hmm. Well, you should be proud. I'm really impressed. So many companies that, you know, their product may be sustainable or ethically sourced or all those things. And you order it and, you know, it'll come all in bubble wrap or something. And it just, you know, it hurts my feelings, you know, and she takes it personally. (laughs) I do. It's tough, you know, know, because it's like, we just went through this with my manufacturer where we were thinking of getting these custom shipping boxes made. And I was like, no, let's just use the craft recycled boxes yeah. and the craft paper. We don't need the boxes itself are so beautiful. I think a lot of people just want things to be such like this beautiful presentation. But for me personally, when I receive a package that looks more natural and mm-hmm. I know it's sustainable, yeah. I, that makes me happy. Yeah. So it makes me happy too. And I want to ask you, have you been able to solve the problem of the plastic spray thing on the bottles of your stuff or glass, but do you still have to have the plastic sprayer? We do still have plastic yeah. sprayer. I've never seen anybody solve that one nobody can solve it (laughs) I know I know what are we gonna do (laughs) I I have been looking actually for about a year now Mm -hmm. trying to find a resolve because for so many reasons not only for sustainability but also just I just don't like plastic as far essential oils can eat away at it that's why I would never buy yeah I wouldn't buy skincare that was packaged in plastic or like a clear bottle you know because it just doesn't protect you from like the sun or light coming in. So I'm working on it. I mean, I feel like I'm always going to be moving forward and trying to do the best that I can Mm -hmm. at that moment. So it's like a constant evolving thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the closest I've seen to a company tackling that one is... Share. (laughs) I'll just share it. It's plain products and they do shampoos and lotions and things. And their bottles are aluminum and you send them back when they're empty. You reuse the pump. And you can keep your pump. take the pump off and reuse it. Yeah. Oh, cool. So you you don't get one every time. That's the other thing is I've seen some of these refill things, which Mm -hmm. is a whole nother. Yeah. Yeah, That's a whole, I mean, that's a different, you need to have, that's a whole team. (laughs) But you also have to look at the carbon footprint to ship it back, Mm -hmm. the energy it takes to clean everything and then send it back. So it's like. You have to constantly be looking at like what makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it is a constant thing. And, and I think it is getting better because consumers 
are wanting it. And that's the best thing is when consumers are wanting it, then the cost will go down and it will be more available too. you know, for like small companies. And it'll just be the way I mean, we've come so long, like when I originally started, nobody was talking about essential oils and organic and sustainability and fair trade. And now it's like, everybody knows about it. I know. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, that's a good segue into our next question, which is something that we've been thinking about a lot lately. Normally, what you just expressed, I mean, that is what we think too. like our individual choices is like everything and we can change the world. And I'm just wondering if you think truly, like given the magnitude of just everything that we're dealing with and the planet and the state that she's in right now, do you think that our individual consumer choices is enough to really make a difference? A thousand percent. Okay. A thousand percent. In anything, like one person, I've seen it, we've all seen it in history. One Mm -hmm. person can make all the difference. Yeah. And especially with how word of mouth and things travel nowadays with social media, one person can make the biggest impact. It's mind blowing. And it matters. It matters. Like the energy that you put out into the world matters. (laughs) It matters. Yeah, that's so important to recognize that energy as well. It's not just about a data point or what you buy or don't buy. Yeah, it's a little deeper than that. It's intention and energy also. It is true. And yes. it's, it's passion. Mm-hmm. You know, I almost feel like it's too much for me. Like I get a package that's all wrapped up in plastic, you know, like I was saying a minute ago, and it just really affects me. <laughs> I get real strident and passionate about how I feel about that sort of thing. You know, like we need to do better. We can do better. But at the same time, we have to meet people where they are. And you have to understand all the, you know, the big picture, like you're talking about, like we we're just talking about the plastic pumps. <laughs> Yeah, it's just something that hasn't been solved yet. But hey, we sent a man to the moon. We can figure out this plastic pump thing. <laughs> I love it. And you know, I just thought of something when you because you guys were talking about slow living. It's like we can create this world by the choices we make, but we also need to like tap into that slowness again, where people are buying on Amazon, expecting things the next day. It's like that we can't live in that world. We need to return back to the small businesses where, by the way, this is not how my company works, but like, hey, maybe it takes two, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's great quality and it's worth the wait. Like, yeah. it's okay. Like, we can return back. I think we need to return back to that speed because this fast paced, like, where I need everything right now is destroying us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It puts our bodies in hyperdrive. And too. also, what are we trading for that? Like, what are we getting in exchange? It's a, it's a compromise for sure. And I think we think it's worth it, but it's hard to understand what you're trading for that time for without being distant from it. It takes time to see <laughs> what this is doing. So it's yeah. slow. <laughs> so what does the good dirt mean to you? I love this question. The good dirt. I think when I think of good dirt, I think of, well, you know, we were just talking about Dr. Zach Bush and mm. I've actually interviewed him oh. on my show before. And he talks about the connection of the good dirt, the good soil mm-hmm. and the connection to our own personal microbiome. Yeah. And how the earth is just like a representation of like what we're going through on a whole in a a collective level. And I think when we heal the soil, like through regenerative agriculture and holistic grazing and diverse 
farming and all of these things, then maybe we can start to heal ourselves. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes, very much so. That's basically what we preach here on The Good Dirt. So yeah. you have oh, right answer. That. Right answer. <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> I love that. So you just mentioned your podcast. I think that's a great opportunity to share. I also, we kind of skipped over it. I meant to ask you what are some of your favorite products of your line. We want you to gush about your line a little bit and tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more and all that fun stuff. It's so hard for me to pick just one, but my bestseller is the Youth Beauty Face Oil, which is 10 organic plant botanicals just perfectly formulated and blended and it works for all skin types. It's insane. You know, the reviews speak for themselves, which is one of my proudest things is my reviews. Cause as a small company, I just started actually this week doing my first paid advertising ever. Wow. So up to that point, it's been organic and just real customers just sharing reviews. And so that's one of my favorite things is just go see my reviews. But I also just released a new product called the Aura Beauty Mist, which is like an organic hydrosol that you would spray on before you do your oil, or you can like refresh your face anytime throughout the day. It's insane. It's one of my new favorite products. And then you can find everything at thegoldensecrets.com. It also has its own Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all that stuff. And then I'm most active on Instagram at Jesse Golden. Awesome. Do you have a podcast too? Yeah. So I started a podcast a couple years ago and I was really active. And then when quarantine hit, I wasn't going into the studio because we were in studio and yeah. then the studio kind of shut down. And then I did like a bunch of really great interviews during quarantine with some cool doctors. And then I just got so focused on the golden yeah. secrets yeah. and I've been doing other people's podcasts. It's yeah. been so fun, but I'm hoping that I'm going to get to a place with my company where I'll have more space to do more podcast interviews because yeah. I, do, I do love I do love it but there is at least an archive or an arsenal of interviews from the golden secrets from yep. the before times that people can yeah. find <laughs> Dr. Zach Bush interview is great oh my gosh he's on our list insane mm-hmm. so in closing is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with about yourself or what you do or just anything else you want to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet I think the message that I love sharing with people, whether it's with skincare or with healing or living with a chronic disease or anything in your life, nature is enough. I think we just need to reconnect to her in all ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's our way home. Mm, thank you so so much thank you and (laughs) thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today yeah i've just really loved it it's lovely to meet you yeah and i can't wait to try i think i think we have some product on the way to us so thank you yes kelly told me yeah uh, we're sending you guys something oh yay that's so exciting thank you (laughs) thank you Thanks so much, Jesse. We hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. And we hope that we will see you next week on the Good Dirt Podcast. But before we do, we just wanted to remind you that there is one week left of the Slow Living Challenge. You can sign up at the link in our show notes. And you remember that you can get a free week in the Almanac with your sign up for the Slow Living Challenge. And you will also get access to all the previous weeks. 
And another thing to remember is that we have pre-orders going for Our Wild Farming Life, which was the interview that we had with Lynn Cassells two weeks ago. And if you haven't listened to it yet, we definitely recommend going back and listening to that interview. It was so much fun. Do you have anything you want to mention, Mom? Just want to say we're looking forward to seeing everyone in the last week of the Slow Living Challenge. So come on in and join us and join us in the almanac and everything we've got going on in there. It's so much fun. <laughs>